Welcome, everybody. Let's talk real estate. Your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With our man right in the middle, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul. Uh, we're back again. Uh, welcome to all of our viewers and our listeners out there for another week of Let's Talk Real Estate. We've got all kinds of exciting stuff going on in the world, some good, some not so great. But we're going to talk a little real estate, and we're going to mix it in with a little nonprofit uh, to mix up today's show. Before we get going, I do want to do a shout-out uh, to all of the therapists and people out there that help one another, whether it's physical, family, marriage, every now and again, everybody needs a little boost and a little helping hand. So to all the people out there that perform those services, thank you for all you do. I want to welcome our guests to today's show, Mark Whitley and Nancy Weintraub from Easter Seals of Southern California. Mark is the president and CEO of Easter Seals Southern California. Nancy is the chief advancement officer. We're going to find out what that actually means. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Barry. We are so excited to be here and just appreciate your involvement through the years with Easter Seals and just uh, excited to be part of the show today. Yeah, so I thought what we'd do, I know that Easter Seals is involved in real estate as well as providing services and therapies and nonprofit and all that. So I want to touch on a bunch of different things. But what I want to start with is maybe Nancy will start with you just in terms of your background and how you got involved with Easter Seals. And you can give us the description of Chief Advancement Officer. To me, it means you're going to give everybody a raise, but I bet it's something <laughs> other than that. Well, in a nutshell, I'm advancing the mission and vision of the organization. So there you go. And I do it in, in very ways. We are actively involved in community relations. We're actively involved in philanthropy. We also have a very active entertainment initiative where we're working very closely in partnership with networks and studios to ensure greater authentic representation of disability in film and television. And we also have a fairly robust corporate partnerships program. So that is what a chief advancement officer does here at Easter Seals Southern California. My background, I actually have 30 years of experience in nonprofit management in healthcare and higher education. In fact, um, prior to coming to Easter Seals, of which I will be having my 10-year anniversary coming up. I'm very excited. I actually worked for about nine and a half years here on the UCI campus in advancement and corporate partnerships. A little fun fact for everyone out there, Nancy and I both went to UCLA at the yes. same time, which is only like six or seven years ago. Exactly. Time flies. It does. And Mark, so you are president, CEO, man at the top of the food chain. In terms of Easter Seals, I guess, give us a little bit of a background of Easter Seals as an organization. I know it, but for those folks out there, Easter Seals is a national, if not worldwide organization. And then Easter Seals Southern California is really a company within a company, is it not? Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, Easter Seals is this enormous national organization, but our business is in the local community. So it's really hands-on services, boots on the ground, if you will, in terms of providing services to meet the needs of local children and adults with disabilities. And the majority of your funding comes from where? Well, it's really a combination, uh, both the philanthropy side, but also uh, government funding as well as uh, health insurance funding. You know, we're the largest disability organization in Southern California. We provide more services, more therapy for kids with autism than any organization in California. Oh, interesting. And, and so just in terms of the scope, I know you guys have an extensive network 
of therapists and and children and young adults that you provide services to a ballpark of how many people are getting services at the moment we're right now we're serving uh, close to 14,000 individuals while we're doing this radio show Easter Seals is is in local communities throughout Southern California providing that hands-on services and those services are in the form of speech therapy occupational therapy whatever it takes right yeah we have, we have five mission critical service areas you know autism therapy which is our largest we also provide child development services, Head Start, Early Head Start. We have uh, adult day services, including seniors. We provide uh, employment, uh, including services for veterans, as well as our Living Options program, which is helping individuals live in the community in residential homes. And those services get provided either in home or at your facilities. So people are driving all over. I mean, with COVID, it makes it a little more challenging, I suppose, but people are going wherever they need to go to be able to provide these services. Yeah, so the services are in the community and that's that's where real estate comes into this. And so, you know, some of your some of your listeners may be wondering, what in the world is Easter Seals doing on Barry Saywitz's show about real estate? <laughs> but it, it really is about real estate. I mean, it's uh, only real estate has been a key strategy for Easter Seals in terms of our growth in services and the, the, the sustainability of those services. Because your funding comes from, whether it's grants or public sources and private entities and corporations, the fact of the matter is, in order to be able to continue to grow, you, you would grow by expanding your facilities. But the options from a real estate perspective is either you go out and you become a tenant and you rent a facility, whether it's a home on the residential side to provide services, or you rent an office building to provide services and, and have office space, and then you're not in control of your own destiny because you're a tenant and so the interesting spin from a real estate perspective is that you have taken the path of really trying to control your own destiny and being the landlord and controlling the real estate nancy has that not been the part of the overall business plan of the organization That's absolutely true you know when you look at rising lease rates and things like that but it's also from from a tenant perspective there's so many tenant improvements that we need to do to make sure that the that these office spaces that are basically for office use can be transformed into therapeutic uses and sometimes you know tenant improvements are just hard to do so when we do own the real estate we can make those tenant improvements ourselves and we can make it the way we want to make it and so the corporate headquarters that you have is really a unique facility in and of itself because not only did you need to change the use and get what's called a conditional use permit to be able to allow to do what you need to do but then you had to go retrofit the whole building mm -hmm. and, and so i guess let's talk about that one because it's I like it but it's a unique concept because it's very similar if not the same concept that we did for our own office building and that we advise many of our clients on the brokerage side which is the concept of what I uh, termed many years ago the purchase partial leaseback which mm -hmm. is if you are going to buy a building you buy something that's bigger than what you need and then you rent out the extra space so it would not only give you the opportunity to grow but it gives you the opportunity to acquire a bigger piece of real estate and the tenant's rent, which hopefully you can raise over time, will offset your expenses, which hopefully you can try and fix. And so that's exactly what you guys did, right, Mark? With 
Well, it is, and, and that's an, an amazing building. Some of your listeners may have seen this. Uh, our, our Really, our, it's our flagship autism therapy center and our administrative office. It's right on the 55 freeway between MacArthur and Dyer, and it really is an amazing place that has worked out so well for our families, for our staff, and then also from an economic standpoint, the tenant pays the cost of us being in the building. So we're, in effect, we're in the building free of charge. Yeah, which is uh, phenomenal and gives you the ability in the future, I suppose, if you wanted or needed the additional space, you could grow into it and expand. Yeah, and that's really important when you think about expansion and growing and meeting the needs in the community. So controlling that real estate is so important, both, as you've mentioned, from managing costs, but also for just you know controlling and managing the service and the quality of service being more in our control when we own the property. Yeah, and I think that applies whether it's an office building, industrial building. We've done it for churches and synagogues as well who, you know, if you can't bite off that big of an apple, this gives you the ability mm-hmm. and, a, and a way to be able to do that. And the facility itself is really now a specialized use because you've gone back and added in treatment centers and play stations and office space and a control center to be able to really run the crux of the operations of the organization and at the same time be able to provide services in the same building as well. And, and so for those of you out there, if you drive up and down the 55 freeway, at, I'm going to call it Dyer just around there, you look for the sign on the freeway and uh, that's them. Now, in addition to the corporate headquarters, though, you have other ancillary facilities. Nancy, talk about this newest one that you guys have just opened, uh, which is exciting in the sense that it, again, is a retrofit of an existing older building, sort of repurposing, if you will, to highest and best use. And it's the Pyatt Center in Santa Ana on 17th Street. That's correct. So this was a really kind of special experience for all of us. The Santa Ana building itself started out, it was actually the first building purchase we made as an organization about 12 years ago, and it was our corporate headquarters building. We quickly, quickly outgrew it. So to be able to create the new building that we're in that you were describing earlier, we moved out of our Santa Ana facility, and we just had such an attachment to that building that the board overwhelmingly approved the the um, transformation of that pure office space into a new adult day center. And so with the generosity of Molly Pyatt and her husband David, who was board chair at the time, they made a tremendous generous gift to be able to not only retrofit and transform this facility, but they paid off the mortgage as well. So that, again, means 100% of all of the revenue we bring in goes directly to our participants. So at an adult day center, we have you know multiple opportunities for individuals to learn life skills. We have rolling gardens where our participants garden, and then they go into our beautiful kitchen and cafe where they learn how to cook, and they learn about healthy nutrition, and we have activity rooms. We have um, space for fitness and arts and crafts, and it's just it's just a beautiful, well-designed space that takes into account a person-centered approach to our services. And this facility, and I've seen it, is state-of-the-art. It is all current codes brought up to speed, and, and I mean, I know what it looked like before, and so <laughs> uh, certainly a well-deserved facelift and improvement, but also very centrally located in the county and just a good piece of real estate to own at the end of the day. And then now you have folks from all over the place that come to the facility 
to learn life skills, to spend the day, to try and meet other people, integrate. And then you have a partnership also with uh, the Regional Center of Orange County as well, which is very close by there also. Right down the street. They are our primary funder for this program. And so they're referring folks, really young adults all the way to seniors uh, to come that have all different types of disabilities, autism, you name it, and be able to further whatever it is that they're doing and challenge themselves at the same time. Yeah, we love that building. And certainly individuals like yourself and board members and others who were familiar with the office before, you know, it's so exciting to see the repurposing and just the the amazing job that the folks at Hindi, the architectural firm Hindi did in working with our staff to really create space that meets the unique needs of our individuals that uh, attend the Pyatt Center. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm tempted to go there and cook some lunch and and work on my cooking skills. It looked like a fabulous place. And so in addition to the commercial side of the real estate piece of it, you guys also have a unique aspect in that you own manage, maintain all of the things that go into owning real estate, a portfolio of residential homes where you have living environments, where you have individuals that will come either on a temporary or on a permanent basis to come and live and work on skills of being in a just shared living uh, environment and trying to be on their own as much as they can. We own 23 homes, and uh, these are just such an important part of the community. It allowed us to move people that had been living in the state developmental centers, individuals who really lived most of their lives sharing a bedroom, you know, with, you know, 15 other people, really being able to live in the community in a home have their own bedroom and for some it's the first time they've slept in a full-size bed or sat down for a thanksgiving dinner you know it's not an enormous program for easter seals but talk about life changing for those individuals that have an opportunity to live in the community really for the first time yeah for sure and the change from basically being not on your own and not having your own space to having a kitchen having a yard uh, having roommates and, and really trying to function on your own is a huge thing. And But you guys manage that. You guys have staff that takes care of the maintenance and, and all that because you're the owner, you're the landlord, right? We're the landlord and just as important, if not more important, we provide the services in those homes. So these are individuals with uh, some sometimes significant challenges, sometimes medically fragile. For some of our homes, we're providing nursing support as well as as support for individuals to live their daily lives. Yeah, and as someone who owns a portfolio of apartment buildings, we get approached all the time by various different uses other than just someone who wants to rent a place, and whether it's providing ancillary services or business services or outpatient or what have you. And it's a challenge because you have a zoning issue, you have a neighbor issue, you have a maintenance issue, and uh, for you, if you're the landlord, then you're not subject to all of the other questions that a landlord might ask you and the concerns they might have, and then at the same time, you own it so you can control uh, the costs uh, going forward. And you've also done a, a unique thing in that instead of trying to sort of mortgage these to the hilt, you've really gone the opposite way as far as putting shorter term mortgages on it in an effort to accelerate paying off the debt to get to a debt free kind of a place. Yeah, 17 years ago when we bought our first home, our fiscal committee chair of the board really encouraged us, and money was really tight, uh, encouraged us to put 15-year mortgages. 
And, uh, and so that's what we did. Two years ago, when we paid off our first house, that was really quite a, uh, quite a happy day for, for Easter Seals and really just the economics of that program, because often the, the rates provided by the state to provide those services, those rates don't go up. And so being able to manage the cost, control costs, is just really critical to that program. We also realize how hard it is to move because you know, if you're renting an apartment or a house somewhere and maybe the landlord increases the rent or for whatever reason you want to move, it's really pretty easy to move. But when you have a licensed facility that's been retrofitted to serve individuals with physical challenges. Yeah, you can't moving. just pick up your toys and go across the street. So yeah, easy. and so kind of the landlord knows that and that leverage they have on us that, that we're sort of trapped in that home. And so really, you know, kudos to our board for their view of the future and realizing, no, we need to own property and then really, you know, pushing us to put those 15-year mortgages on those homes. And really what you've done is build a portfolio. So, Nancy, in terms of these other advancements that you're working on in incorporating the business community or looking at alternative services, it gives you that flexibility going forward. And then I'm going to guess that uh, if you want to continue to grow the portfolio, you know, you're in a much better place than if you were the tenant or if you hadn't put the kind of debt on it that you did, especially in today's environment where you have rising interest rates and very low inventory of, of opportunities to go find other properties. And so does it give you a leg up? I don't want to say a leg up against competitors because it's not really a competitive environment, but against other types of organizations that haven't done what you've done. Well, I think what it does is it tells the right story. So when we go um, to a donor and say we need, um, because like Mark said, sometimes our rates don't go up. And so we're providing services to the highest quality and we won't compromise that. And so when we go to a donor and say we need some help and support for a home, we can say with all candor that 100% of their donation goes directly to those participants living in that home. So I think that is an advantage. I'll tell you a specific story. So we have some homes that have three bedrooms and some homes that have four bedrooms. And we really try to retrofit these homes to ensure that people can age in place. And so because of licensing, there are certain things that we need to do to make sure like fire sprinklers in every room, an outdoor exit door for every room, et cetera. So yeah. we've made sure we've done that. So so some of our three-bedroom homes, in order to be able to provide services to more individuals, we are starting to add a fourth bedroom. So we could only do that because we own the home. Right. So when we go to a donor to help us, because we, there's no other sources of funding to add that fourth bedroom, we go to donors in the philanthropic community for that. And so we've been able to be very successful with foundations and other donors to ask for those dollars because it does a couple of things. One, again, 100% of those dollars goes directly to the home. But number two, by adding that fourth individual, we have another set of revenue every month. So now those homes that may not quite be making budget now makes budget and is self-sustaining. And you can feel it. You can touch it. If Correct. you're a donor, you can go and check it out. Correct. As and opposed to putting rent in somebody else's pocket. Correct. And to be able to serve an additional individual. And you think about, well, that's really important for that individual, yep. that person. But think about five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now will be serving individuals in those homes. So there is a perpetuity nature of this that's very exciting, I think, to us as leaders, but also to donors, that when they support Easter Seals in our services and our residential 
program and really other services as well. And we establish a, a facility, a therapy home, a therapy or home that, that will be providing services to individuals for forever. Yeah. And so is part of the strategy then going forward to look to expand that portfolio of homes or is it on a case by case basis if opportunities come along? Well, we look to expand all of our services. I mean, that's really what it's about, right? It's the quality of what we're doing. It's the the impact to individuals in being able to serve more and more people. And, you know, over the last 10 years, Easter Seals has expanded significantly in terms of the services we provide the numbers of, of individuals and families, and it all translates into impact and changing people's lives. Yeah, and I, I would say the growth, at least since I've been uh, affiliated with the organization, has been exponential, if nothing less. I mean, it, it really has grown tremendously. Let's talk a little bit about the relationship with Kaiser and the services that you provide to kids with autism, because that's a big part, the growth that you've experienced, and certainly an important one, and, and one that's close to my heart as well. So, Nancy, maybe yeah. you can expand on that. So, the state of California in 2012 um, passed a Senate bill that mandates autism therapy. So, what that means is insurance companies are obligated to pay for, like you were talking about earlier, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, when someone is diagnosed on the autism spectrum. So what Kaiser decided to do, some some insurance companies brought it in-house, some did a hybrid model. Kaiser chose to completely outsource that to uh, an outside entity or third party, if you will. Easter Seals uh, won that contract for actually the state of California. So Easter Seals Southern California has Kern County down to San Diego, and our sister organization, Easter Seals Northern California, basically has Fresno all the way up. And so we provide anybody within the Kaiser system who has an ASD diagnosis automatically gets referred to Easter Seals for services. I'll put that into context. When I first started in 2012, so this was right at the beginning of our Kaiser contract, we had, I think, started out 60 participants in this particular program. Today, we have 11,000 families just crazy. from Kaiser. Yeah, that's So crazy. that's the, the tremendous growth that you were talking about. And the need is there, for sure. For sure. We thought probably after year three that some of the referrals would maybe top off a little bit. We're still getting upwards of 100 new referrals a month. Yeah, and, and I mean, autism and the spectrum we know is not going anywhere. There's no cure for it, and there's a variety of different diagnoses and different needs. And so it's not like there's a pill you can take or a prescription you can write. It's really a customized set of uh, um, therapies and approach to try and deal with uh, whatever the challenges are. The other thing that I find interesting about it is that if you were trying to get it through your other insurance, if you had a different insurance company or you were trying to get into a program, even if the regional center, the wait list for a family in today's world COVID compounding it, short staff compounding it, supply chain issues, inflation, wages, all of that got to compound the whole process. Really, the Kaiser process, once they're admitted into the program, you're integrating these kids right away. Correct. We tried the time we get the referral to initial assessment is two weeks. And then once the treatment plan is approved by Kaiser, they start services right away. Yeah. So, I mean, I, to me, the word of the day is if your child has autism or you think they do, you might want to think about switching to Kaiser because you're going to get better help, quicker help, more comprehensive help. And it's not like you're just getting pawned off to a bunch of doctors. You're getting pawned off to an organization that really knows what they're doing and can help integrate it quickly. I mean, that's that's my take on it. 
So there's my little plug for the day, right? So, <laughs> so let's. So. Yeah, thanks, Barry. That, yeah. was, that was really no. quite a commercial for make, Easter sale. Make sure so. you vote in November <laughs> and it. go check out Kaiser. Those are my two tips <laughs> of the day. So let's shift gears back to real estate. We'll tie it back in a little bit. The uniqueness of the portfolio, on the one hand, being a landlord myself, I know. The good news is you control your own destiny, you own the property, hopefully you're gaining equity and, and all of those other things. The downside is I have to maintain it, right? And so stuff breaks, I need to do improvements. You must constantly, is there a crew that you have on staff? Is there a list of vendors of go-to people that you go to to try and maintain it? Or is there an in-house property management group or a hotline which must ring off the hook? You know, it's a combination of all that you said. So we do we do have uh, uh, manages in-house we have vendors that are kind of preferred vendors that we work with and and it is at times a lot to manage but it's also within our control and so yeah things happen a roof needs to be you know replaced a, you know a, a toilet gets backed up but it's also within our control to manage that and get it done in a really timely way and that's that's really important and uh, and sometimes um can really make a difference in terms of keeping the services moving and moving smoothly and uh, and with quality. Yeah, as a landlord, air conditioner goes down, roof leak, you know, toilet backed up, sink doesn't work. These are all things that frustrate folks and and makes it even worse if I've got challenges in the first place. So that to me is the biggest uh, hassle and, and and challenge of the daily operations of just owning a portfolio of real estate. And you just got to make sure you have good vendors and people in place. Yeah, for sure. So where do you guys see, I mean, you obviously, you have the real estate, and so you must talk about it internally in terms of what's going on in the world around us. We'll kind of bring it home for a second. So rising interest rates, still low inventory, talk of recession, uh, some other bad things I don't want to get negative about, but I mean, you got war, you got volatile stock market. Where, how does that affect your business growth in the community? It may not so much from the government standpoint, and how do you see that as maybe some potentials for opportunity for you going forward? Yeah, it, it really is a challenging time. And, you know, we have a number of, of relatively new projects, you know, properties that we had purchased really before mm-hmm. COVID. And because of COVID, the renovation of a, you know, autism therapy center in Covina, as an example, an adult day service center in uh, Glendora. Those are two properties that come to mind that were actually purchased before COVID put on hold and now renovations are, are underway. You know, we uh, we were able to find a property down in, uh, in uh, um, Encinitas. En- Encinitas in San Diego to open up a new a new child development center where we would be combining existing locations there that were expensive and not really working well for the program. So we're continuing to do new real estate projects, although definitely has slowed inventory being a real challenge and, and just really finding that right that right fit for a property that can be used by Easter Seals. And is the plan, though, these projects that got stuck on hold with COVID to now regroup on them as you move forward? So we have regrouped and construction's underway. Covina is almost finished. Uh, the building on in Glendora, which we're really, it's kind of a unique project for us. For those that are familiar with that area, there's a restaurant there called the Golden Spur. And anyone that's familiar with that area, they kind of light up because they, you know, they have their own stories about eating and and different experiences at the Golden Spur. Well, Easter Seals bought that building Mm. about three years ago, and uh, and we call it the Route 66 building. 
and we're opening a state-of-the-art adult day service center similar to the Pyatt Center in Santa Ana. You know, that's been interesting in the challenges uh, once we had done demolition. You know, what you discover in a hundred-year-old building yeah. is... Uh, well, it's is... been hidden in the walls. So you don't want to know. <laughs> so we are continuing to, to, you know, move forward on some, some pretty exciting projects. And do you find when you go to the cities that they are receptive to the concept of what you want to do? Or is it really on a case-by-case basis, some cities great to work with, some not so much? Yeah, some not so much. But by and large, we found uh, great support from, you know, most of the cities that we work with. I mean, the, the building in Glendora on Route 66, you know, the city's request was, you know, what were we going to do with that iconic neon Golden Spur sign? And uh, if we were not going to, you know, repurpose and use it, they wanted it, you know, donated right, right. to the city. And so we did find a way to incorporate that into the front plaza area of that of that center. So you do end up with some interesting, uh, interesting uh discussions and sometimes the city has their own vision of what they want it to look like right right but it's also interesting because we've had other guests on the show too and we've talked about we've had politicians especially because it's an election year talk about highest and best use of property talk about homelessness as an issue throughout the state and talk about individual cities or counties as a whole looking at creating housing opportunities for homeless people for people with disabilities for underprivileged people and so i mean you know to me the the concept of this uh makes perfect sense i mean if you could uh do it in more cities uh and provide more of it there's certainly a need everywhere for all the different services that you guys provide yeah it's really a win-win that we're aimed at you know for the city the community our neighbors for easter seals as an organization and you know and and you know, most importantly for individuals with disabilities and their families. And having a location where people can get to it, where it's accessible, especially here in Southern California where the traffic stinks, uh, you want to try and find something close to your home that you can get to with either a bus or a uh, short car ride one way or the other. Yeah, Easter Seal, Southern California, we have 73 different properties, 73 throughout Southern California, as far south as is El Centro, all the way up to Ventura and Oxnard. Um, and um, of the 73 properties, Easter Seal owns 34 of those, you know, including the 23 homes. And then uh, we lease another 39 different properties. And again, that's child development centers, autism therapy centers, adult day service centers, residential homes. It's so, really your own network of facilities. I mean, no different than the concept of a smaller version of a hogue or a chalk or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is, in a, and specific to the community and providing services for disabilities. We just have a quick minute left. I, I guess I want to get both your guys' take just in terms of where you see the economy going and where you see Easter's going, Easter Seals going relative to the economy in the next 12 months um, and, and how that affects you guys. Well, I think we are thankful that we're in the state of California, the state of California, and its blueprint is really supportive of the disability community. And so as the state of California continues to articulate the the goals and objectives for the disability community, um, we're seeing things like social determinants of health coming down the pipeline, giving individuals more freedom and more choice in how they access their services and utilize their benefits. And so from our perspective, we are just looking to see how new gaps in services, if you will, or new opportunities for service come about through RFPs from the regional center and others 
that we can then respond to to continue to provide these services for individuals with disabilities. And it seems like from the state level, regardless of November being an election, it's not really going to change much in terms of their MO. I, I feel like the state is behind continuing to provide these services as much as they can, budgetary constraints, you know, considering. But Yes, the state has, has always been very supportive of the disability community. The one thing, though, that we have been working on is a couple of years ago, the state passed an, an 8% increase in our rates, and we're really working hard to try and ensure that that becomes permanent because that rate increase is, is so critical to the continued growth of our services. We're very fortunate to be in California, both from the standpoint of the state supporting disability services, but also the community, mm -hmm. businesses and individuals that really care about each other and care about individuals with disabilities. And so, you know, it's so fortunate to live and work where we where we do and to, to you know, really benefit from the support of the local communities throughout Southern California. Yeah, no question. And so from a hiring standpoint, since you are experiencing all kinds of growth, are you guys actively hiring? And We're trying. If, you, <laughs> if you're out there and you're a therapist or you want to work for yes. a growing organization, where can people find you? Uh, what's the website or what's the best number? Uh, yeah, it's easterseals.com slash Southern Cal. And there's a careers button. And please go check it out. We have many open positions right now. Yeah, so you don't have to be a therapist. You could be anything certainly be doing something good for other folks and, and helping Easter Seals along. We're out of time. I th we could probably talk all day about different stuff, but uh, I really do appreciate you guys coming on the show, sharing information about the organization and the services you provide, and wish you both personally and the organization as a whole continued success, and just super happy about the growth that you've had in the past and looking forward to what the future brings. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Barry. Thank you for your continued support. Yeah. So I'm Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz company and managing partner of Barry Saywitz Properties. And if it's uh, Tuesday, it's probably time for Let's Talk Real Estate. So we will see you here next week. We have more exciting things to talk about. A uh, big thank you to Paul and the whole crew here at OC Talk Radio, Sophia, our producer, all of our listeners and viewers tuning in. We'll see you next week on more Let's Talk Real Estate. you have it. You've been listening to Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in Southern California. On Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studio here at the University of California Irvine's Beal Applied Innovation Center.